0: It's the slightly crunchy
1: Welcome to the slightly crunchy momcast. This is a podcast with research-based parenting information from a real-world perspective of two moms just trying not to lose our shit. Hey, do you like our podcast? Take a moment, let us know. Leave us a review on iTunes. It'll help us out and help others find our podcast too. Now let's get to it. Today's episode thirty-nine, and we're talking about learning disabilities in kids fun oh tag. it's so fun yeah it's so fun we all just love learning disabilities it's, great. <laughs> it's a good time it's a good time <laughs> i'm britney i'm a licensed
0: marriage and family therapist and a licensed clinical addiction specialist i'm whitney and we're back from the beach and i am curious Brittany, on a scale from <laughs> one to ten how you relaxing to, did you, me you me find talk that about vacation
1: my, you want to talk about my pup putt adventure let's talk about your pup putt we
0: can talk about Myers
1: jellyfish I, I feel like yeah that was a day <laughs> So this crowd, <laughs> these other folks that I vacationed with here,
0: just we love, love to putt putt. We take it Whitney's seriously.
1: family just and I, I just don't think it's that fun. I mean, it's it's hot. It's like a little boring to me. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, but you mm-hmm.
1: know, I'm being a team player. I'm like, okay, we'll all go, we'll all go to putt putt. Mm-hmm. You know, that's fine. So we we thought we would beat the heat because we know it's going to be hot. So We're we got be there the like nine o'clock in the morning. Right, we let the right kids right early. First ones there. You know, it's Myrtle Beach, so you've got. You got putt putt courses off the wa out the wazoo, right? We, mm-hmm. so we let the kids pick the theme. They chose like the little treasure island or whatever, and we get there and it's pretty cool. I mean, there's like little streams. Oh, it was through, amazing! A lot it's of terrain. You go up and down. And um, it's hot. Yeah, we didn't beat the heat. And there is no shade. If <laughs> no. there was shade, it and would be fine. And there's water everywhere. There's water everywhere. And the reason why that's the problem is, so I thought that I'd be able to put the baby down and he could like walk around. Because he's typically pretty entertained, you know, by like stimulation around him. And it would be fine. You know, everybody had their sunscreen on. He had his little hat on. And actually, the first three holes that I played, yeah, it was it, pretty fun. He was, made it a good I was doing holes. good and I was enjoying the putt-putt game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then he just started getting fussy. And unfortunately, it's an 18 whole game. And he started crying and crying. And he's got this fair skin and complexion. And he is getting so fiery. Rhett. Yeah, he's hot. And so he just wants me to hold him. And he's hot and whatever. So I'm like, you know what? This is not going to work out. So I just take Rhett back to the gift shop and just plop him down on the – um. On the floor of the gift shop, level, I level with all of the, um, the... <laughs> there's a noise that's distracting. The this is very is. distracting. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um, okay, so anyways, so I plop him down, and I... Luckily, the gift shop owner wasn't going to be a douche because I was preparing myself for him to be a douche. But at this point, this child is sweating. He is red. So I just put all the little trucks around him. Anyways, it was fine. He was fine in Yeah,
0: My favorite part about this is I always say Brittany is not a fake it till you. Make it type of person. (laughs) There's more adventures to the pup-pup before
1: we even. So then we get in the car. Michael's strapping him in the car. And he's like, what is all over his seat? Is Mm. this throw up? And I'm like, well, no one's thrown up. And then he goes. This is poop. Yeah. There's shit everywhere. He yeah. had pooped. We didn't know. It was all the way up his back. So then we have to pull over, put the back gate of the Tahoe thing up, change him, strip him completely naked, pack it all up, get back in the car, pull out, and Michael starts patting his pockets. <laughs> Where's my phone? <laughs> Call it, <laughs> babe. There's no point in me calling your phone because the ringer's not on. You're not going to hear it. You're ba- you think you're going to hear a zzzz? <laughs> <laughs> no. So anyways, ten minutes later, we find,
0: we the, phone. find the phone and oh, it's, yeah. it's right by Rhett. It is right it's in the car door where yeah. Rhett was. Then we get back we get back and we decide we're gonna go to the beach. Mm-hmm. I wanna take the kids to the beach. Mm-hmm. There's all these pools. I have an argument with Meyer and yep. by that I mean I'm like, we're going to the beach first. He's like, but I want to swim with new friends. He's made some new friends. He's like, There they are, Mom. I was like, You can come back and swim with your new friends. We're gonna go to the beach. Yep. We are at the beach. Mm, 90 seconds yeah 90 seconds before Meyer starts screaming mm-hmm. and he's like ow 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 something bit me <laughs> and I'm like okay let me see what bit you well of course he's freaking out I was like take off your shorts so I look on there and it is swollen it's red there's welts Angry. and I'm like well we need to go to the lifeguard and see if they have anything I can put on this he's like he's gonna laugh at my penis he's gonna see
1: my butt and my
0: penis and he's gonna laugh and I was like he's not gonna laugh he, it, he, he's not gonna laugh we're gonna go so he got stung by a jellyfish mm-hmm. so he was losing it so i did have him sit in a hot tub no pants no pants <laughs> which
1: myrtle beach has not he's not new to myrtle beach you know there's a lot of pantless people in. Hot i also need I'm like sure, one of those
0: right. iphones where it's like find my iphone where it's like find my child <laughs> yeah because i could not find them in all the different pools it literally the all like where's this child where's this child so this child? back to the original question on a scale for one today? oh how relaxing Did well, we you find skipped over
1: and you're being kind but we we skipped over my whole tummy trouble issue as well on yeah. this very same day where, where a lot the, of elevator the, the, <laughs> the vacation calories are are on um, the catching up with me and i'm just i got a little sensitive tummy and so <laughs> had a little flare up and so i'm up and down up and down. i'm trying to make it to the beach i'm trying to get to the pool but just have to keep going back and forth up to the room to potty okay so finally, that was the point that I finally hit the beach and Meyers' penis is out. And yeah. he's like,
0: meh, ah, my penis. And we were going to go out to eat for a nice seafood dinner. And I said, we're having hot dogs at the house. Hot dogs and make me. Because <laughs>
1: I can't do this again. I can't. And then, then we packed it up and we went home. And didn't do it again. <laughs> do it again. So on a scale of what now? One to ten.
0: Wait, How so relaxing. There's
1: different. Relaxing? Total. What, which one is the Not.
0: Uh good question. We'll make the ten is the most relaxing and zero is not relaxing at all. One
1: point five. Ooh, wow, that's I mean re- relaxing I thought you were gonna say fun. Oh well we can do fun too. So we're relaxing fine. is fun. not the word <laughs> for the experience of the Myrtle Beach vacation. <sighs> but like fun and that's what i was gonna say is like there's different types of fun i feel like like there's a type of fun we have when we take trips without the kids yes then there's a type of fun you have when you vacation with the kids together and it's been fun oh uh, yeah you expect all these things to happen it was just fun. like it felt like it was on, a good time it all happened like it was isolated to a few hours in one day
0: well you're also traveling with a one-year-old true i mean i looked at you one point it was like oh my god i'm so glad i'm beyond this <laughs> I was well like, holy look, shit. and that's I'm how glad. i
1: and that's how i look at people <laughs> that have newborns
0: <laughs> i mean i was like oh my god this is great so what are you drinking
1: so we uh we decided to bring some local beers home with us so i am having grand strand brewery um airbrush hazy ipa
0: all right and i'm drinking a holy city brewing beer and it's an overly friendly ipa how <laughs> what's is. Like cheers there we go so <laughs> let's get started okay so we want to talk
1: about um learning disabilities and kids and so when you'll start us out I'm going to talk a little bit about um, kind of your your quote-unquote I guess word for it is entitlements if you have your kid in school especially like a public school system. Yeah, so... Um, but, I, I hear, but here's what I'll say, and I'll, I can repeat it later, but everything I'm going to say is really specific to North Carolina. So if you're listening outside the state of North Carolina, when we get to, like, the resource part, like, I don't know that there's a lot of reciprocity in how different schools, school there systems are, do it. There's laws
0: that kind of okay. govern it. Yeah, yeah, there's a law called the IDEAS, and it's Individuals with Disabilities Education Act that kind of will give you funding in your schools. So we, we chose this one because most of my friends who know me Or maybe not most, but some of them know that when I was five or six, I was diagnosed with a learning disability. So I had reading comprehension and kind of like problems with order. Meaning, if you gave me four pictures, I struggled to put them in order. And actually, mom says that when things didn't make sense, I would become really, really frustrated. And it's now grouped into like dyslexia. Um, dyslexia is your most common type of learning disability, um, accounting for eighty to ninety percent of all learning disabilities out there. But there, when they talk about the ideas, it's not just learning disability. It can be. It can include speech and language, health impairment, so acute or chronic. So you know, if you have a TBI or something like that, mm-hmm. um, autism, and then. Sp- Students with multiple disabilities. So they could have hearing impairments, deaf, blindness, those kind of things. Um, so a lot of my friends who know me will talk to me about this because their child may or may not have been diagnosed with an, um, a learning disability while they were in school. Oftentimes what I will find is that the parent themselves may have had no problems in school, so they were straight A's, they didn't have to put a lot of effort into it, they were just kind of a natural learner, and here they have a child that actually struggles pretty hard. So I got diagnosed when I was five or six, I, I believe it was first grade, it could have been kindergarten, and this was in the 80s, because I'm old, and um. <laughs> <laughs> and so what they did for me at that time is they would one period a day, pull me out and kind of work with things. I also was pretty, I had attention problems. I wasn't hyperactive, so I didn't have ADHD. I would just had attention problems, probably also just because I'm a, I'm a busy body, which is why nursing works so well for me. Mm-hmm. I, I need to move. I'm not great at a desk environment. And so that's why nursing kind of goes to my strengths. Um, my parents through this whole process really kind of instilled in me this idea of like, it really was never a big deal to me, even though the schools had an IEP for me. And we'll talk about what an IEP is. Um, we I was pulled out all the way through high school. At the end of high school, I was a runner. So I was getting scholarships to college, um, which is maybe why I got into college. Um, and I had to have more testing to qualify for an IEP in college. And I tested incredibly low. So my reading comprehension was like 17% on the scale of like 100. That's where I laid with everyone else. That's the only one I remember because I recently looked back um, and saw that it was that low. Um, So that's kind of my story of it. I always felt when I was growing up all the way through school because I was pulled out of school in these classes where I may not have fit because remember what I just said where it's like you can have speech delays, or you could also have medical problems. And we're talking about the Mm -hmm. 80s. And so a lot of the people that I was with in these classes would probably now be considered autistic, high not high functioning, but like low functioning autism. There were some that were, you know, 15 and couldn't or not 15. We went K through eight. So, you know, let's go with 12 or 13 and couldn't read. And so I didn't really have a lot of those problems. I struggled with reading for sure. But I I didn't really fit with what was kind of the classmates that I was with. And so I struggled with feeling dumb a lot of the time because of the fact that I was always kind of pulled out. So- That's what got us kind of talking about this is because so many parents have come to me and talked to me about their child who has been diagnosed with a learning disability and those kind of things. So when we looked at it, when I looked at it, we'll just briefly go over some numbers. So learning disability is a disorder in one or more of the basic physiological processes involved in understanding or using spoken or written language that may manifest itself in an imperfect ability to listen, think, speak, read, write, or do math. So basically, it could be anything. Thing. Yeah. It's all encompassing. Um, 33% of people in the schools right now have a quote unquote learning disability. That does include so 19% of those are speech or language. So stutters, those kind of things. I can't say my R. I'm pretty sure Meyer can't say an R. I really don't know which letter it is. Brian's picked up on it, but ugh, I don't know. Um 15% are health impairments that can be acute or chronic. So it could be something as like a car wreck that has kind of impaled them from being able to learn. And so now they're at a disadvantage because they have missed six months of the year or something like that. Or it could be a chronic health problem that they could have. Um, Five to 11% are students with autism, developmental delays, emotional disturbance, and less than 2% are students with multiple disabilities, hearing impairments, TBIs, deaf or blindness, or the combination of the two. So this does affect a lot of students within the schools. And there's, there's, research as to what puts you at a higher advantage of having a learning disability. But when I was reading it, I even was talking to Brittany. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And to me, it doesn't really matter whether I grew up, my parents were, it is what it is. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of the ideas of like where the, a lot of students, especially now in the two thousands, um, do have learning disabilities, a third. 1975 was when they passed the IDEAS Act, and that is where you receive federal funding and state funding for if you have a, a um, child with a learning disability as determined by their um, the testing that they give, which can be requested by the school or by a parent or by a teacher, which would be the school, um, they do receive funding for that student to have their IEP looked at. So if you want to talk about IEPs and all that.
1: Yeah. So, um, there are really kind of two different, two different, um, lanes that when you, um, your child is, is diagnosed with some kind of learning disability or something that would preclude, um, learning that instruction that might look a little bit different or some kind of accommodation. So as Whitney mentioned, um, you know, there's certain funding that schools get um, because every child under the, under the public school system has the right to a fair and appropriate education. And so that means a little bit, that might look a little bit different from child to child, especially children that have um, different exceptional needs, learning disability, that type of thing. So there's something called um, a North Carolina 504 plan. And this is basically, this can range, these things can be temporary, or they can be ongoing, and it can be something as simple as a broken arm. So maybe a child is right-handed, they fell out of the tree, they broke their right arm, they need a little bit of assistance with maybe note-taking, typing, that sort of thing. Or it could be something like an ADD, ADHD diagnosis, where they need some kind of accommodation. Maybe they get very distracted, you've learned from their peers, and so they pull the child out when it's test time. Maybe they get extra time, They're tested in a different environment. This is um, more so accommodation-based. If a child has something like irritable bowel syndrome and they need to leave the room a lot to use the restroom, a 504 plan can protect um, their ability to do that so that they can do that, and it also will make it so that their teacher kind of knows what's going on and that type of thing. Those are typically more short-term, but they can be long-term. They also don't typically involve any type of special instruction they're really just accommodation based Then, though, you move into an IEP, or an Individualized Education Plan. So this is much more robust. In order to access this, you do have to have a diagnosed and documented learning disability. Um, Typically, that comes with educational testing, or it does come with educational Mm -hmm. testing, either now or later. That IEP is reviewed annually um, with everyone at the table, which is why it's really important that you have all the child's teachers Um, parents, um, if you have grandparents that are really involved with the kid, you would want them to be at that review meeting and they have goals. They have specific goals for the child and those goals and progress are reviewed annually, but you can request a review, um, more frequently than that. Additionally, um, these are going to include what type of mode of instruction is best for your child. So like Whitney was saying, she was pulled out. So there is a pull-out model where uh, a child, maybe they really struggle in math. And so maybe um, an hour or 30 minutes or whatever it may be, a day, the math instructor comes and gets the child, pulls them out of the class, and works with them with a smaller group of kids that have similar needs, or maybe even one-on-one. What has shown to be more advantageous now that schools are doing more and more of is a push-in inclusion model. So this is where um, typically the instructor will come into the classroom and provide more hands-on learning with the peers in that class so that the child doesn't have to be pulled out of the classroom mm-hmm. and all of these things are going to be very varied and individualized as in the title of the IEP. So then you talk about kids with intellectual or developmental delays. So um you know varying IQ scores this involves psychological testing mm-hmm. to be able to access these types of services. This could be down syndrome, autism spectrum disorder or any type of other developmental delay or disorder that a child may have. You're always with an IEP going to be looking at the what is called the least restrictive environment. So if a child can stay with their classroom and their peers as much as appropriate, that's what you want to happen. Um, or maybe at the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, maybe they have a modified day, so they only come to school so many hours, or they're in a um, an EC or exceptional child classroom all day, where the children are, uh, the the teachers are are traditional quote-unquote ec teachers Mm -hmm. um what i'll say about resources those two things that i named are very specific to the school system however um if a child has had some type of psychological testing and they are found to have um what we call an idd or intellectual or developmental delay um, or a tbi before a certain age uh typically that's before 21 years of age Mm -hmm. they are um eligible to receive state funding through what's called the North Carolina Innovations Waiver, that can open open up a ton of services to them outside of the school system that really serves to complement the services that they're receiving inside of the school.
0: Yeah, I think that we've really come a long way in helping a child um, who is diagnosed with a learning disability. It's not great. There's a lot of need and not a lot of resources. And so a lot of times your parents are your best advocates for you. And my personal story, and I think that this will be where I kind of take it a little bit of a different direction in the fact that my parents were ones that really kind of instilled in me that the world doesn't stop because I was dyslexic or that I had whatever. That actually worked really well for me. So my parents always said to me, Whitney, like, and I, I really think this is an important point because we see it with my, people with um, children with like chronic medical diseases, where when you focus on something, a parent focuses on it so, so like a lot, and it, becomes, it becomes almost an identity for the child. Mm-hmm. My parents did not do that. Um, my parents really kind of just they allowed me. They understood that like spelling. When I talked to Dad about trying to teach me spelling, and he, I mean, it must have been atrocious for him, but he. You know, they really kind of realized I wasn't going to get 100 on spelling tests, And Mm -hmm. so the goal for me was not 100. It really wasn't. And they, you know, I remember we were allowed to go to the candy factory if we were allowed to have A's and B's. And my parents told me that if I made less than two C's that I could go to the candy factory. And so, like, they did modify things for me. And they just constantly were like, I would be like, and this moved into an adulthood. So I went to college. And at that point, I was done with being a, a child with a learning disability. I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was pulling it out. I don't really know. It really wasn't my parents, but I no longer wanted That to be associated with me. The problem with that was is that when I was in when I was in school, I would be shown the test before I actually took it. Mm. Well, I have a really good memory, and so that was kind of I also that was kind of silly if you think about it because true learning. No, because I have a really good memory to this day. I when I get report on my patients, I don't have to write anything down. I remember it. It's one of the skills where I may have lacked in one area, but I had a really good strength with memory. So when I went to college, I actually never learned how Learn because no one Mm -hmm. really put me up to that standard of like learning. And here's what I'm going to say I always wanted to be a nurse. My path to being a nurse was different, and I was impacted from the fact that I struggled very hard to learn how to read. But I went into the Peace Corps, I read constantly when I was there. I barely could read, I don't remember reading a book, but I remember going to the Peace Corps and being in the middle of nowhere and reading a lot to where it would take me a week to read a book where now I read three to four books a week. And so clearly I've learned that. And from there I had to go and I had to apply to nursing school three times where my peers around me, I had not done, my college GPA was not great because I told you I didn't know how to learn. And so I applied three times. I got into nursing school. Once in nursing school, I had, you know, a 3.6 GPA. I did quite well and then i went and got my masters and had a 3.8 and now i'm going to get my phd and so although i'm 40 and i'm achieving things that people around me may have achieved in their 20s i wouldn't change my path or anything that was a part of it if you if i if i could so it did it did you know it did make things more challenging, but I truly believe that it's a blessing for me to have like learned how to overcome this because I have a lot of confidence in it. Mm -hmm. And so it, you know, right now we're teaching our children how to read and we do the sound out method. I cannot physically teach my children how to read. I cannot sound out a word. When people ever tell me that, I can't do it. And that's perfectly fine with me. I know my boundaries. I know where they are. And I know their strengths in there. And so that's okay with me now. I don't feel dumb anymore. And so I also, oftentimes when we talk about this, I, I always want to say like, it's just something that's different about a child. It really is. It does not need to be, in my opinion, a sole focus of the family. Yeah. It, it just It just needs to be something that you help them. My parents, when I had to take the GRE for graduate school, I called them crying. And I remember they were driving. They're like, you're going to be fine. I was like, but I can't do it. There's a reading comprehension. They're like, you got this. Like, it's fine. They could have not been more. And they're like, you got it. And it was that almost that confidence in me that was like, okay, fine. And I was like, you know, they're like, we'll help hire you a tutor. And so I think that's important too. Like my parents being very like, always having my back and be like okay so it took you three times like whatever you're still a nurse like yeah you made it it's not the same as everyone around me they're 22 I was 30 that's a bummer but nonetheless also
1: there's people that give up too
0: yes and and that resiliency was kind of something that was like embedded so although it can be almost a slap across the face sometimes to parents where you feel bad that your child is struggling because I absolutely struggled and I imagine my parents really taking that on maybe I don't know that's not really their personality but maybe it also is something that for me gave me a lot of resiliency and a lot of strength and I mean I'm still achieving my dreams it just took a little bit longer.
1: Yeah and I think that that's a good message and lesson too that like you know kids have different things about them whether it's a learning disability or a learning style or whatever um, that they really a a good life lesson is learning how to learn and sometimes that requires a lot of struggle but if a child you know has attention problems or um, struggles more with reading or math or something like that they really need to learn how to develop the tools they need To bring themselves success that may not be
0: copy paste the other peers around them. And I don't know that there necessarily has to be a constant reminder of it either. You know, like if I wanted to buy a book at the bookstore my mom would have bought me one she wouldn't have looked at me and be like this one looks too hard for you like are you sure and I'm I remember one in particular like I bought a book and I was like there's no way I can read this and I was like in fifth grade I forget what it was and it was one of those little books and I wanted this book because everybody was raising it. it was probably a boxcar kit I don't remember and I remember her mom being like all right yeah we'll buy that book for you and I remember sitting down and be like I can't read this <laughs> and she's like we'll read it together And so she sat down and we would read it together. And, you know, there was never any of like, are you like, I don't know if you can do that. Or like, well, you're just different from learning. It was a lot of like, okay, well, you know what, like, okay, we're going to do the best we can do with the skill sets given to us. Yeah, we'll figure it out. And we'll figure it out. I'm not looking for straight A's from you. And, and that was never the goal. And as...
1: Well, I think also like what's inherent in that too is like it takes the pressure off some too. It did. And, it and, just, and a lot of times the pressure can get in kids' heads. It gets in adults' heads, but it can certainly get in kids' heads and then...
0: You know, and my and we focus on, like I said, one of the talents that I did have is a good memory. And yeah. that works really well in nursing. And I may not be I can read really well now, but it's been a lot of practice. I'm still slow. But like, you know, one of the things is, is that there may be an area I always believe this and maybe I'm wrong about this. But where one area may not be as strong, you'll find a strength in another area. Oh, for sure. And I thrive in nursing. For I sure. know I can't sit it an effort. A desk. My brain works better when I move. I need a high press or high stress work environment. My brain works better and I have a good memory. And I, they say dyslexics looks at things like on a hole and then they go on the outside coming in. And that works really well from where I'm mm-hmm. at. So for every, you know, kind of disadvantage, if you want to call it that or difference, there's an offset to that where there's going to be an advantage in a different area.
1: And that is a learning process to get there. To yeah. figure out like individually what are things that I'm really good at and what are, what are things that I'm not. And, and how do I make my life where I lean towards my strength. Because typically, if you're good at something, you're also going to enjoy it, too. Not nice. always, but in most cases. I agree. So, alright. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope that you found it helpful. If you'd like to give us feedback, provide topic suggestions, or just tell us your own funny stories, you can reach out to us at slightlycrunchymomcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Also, give us a follow on Instagram. We post weekly reminders of new episodes and some funny stuff just to give you a chuckle. At slightlycrunchymomcast. Or even better, you can buy us a beer. You know, we like to drink donate via buymeacoffee.com slash slightly crunchy until next week bye bye